Folks, we're sponsored today by Donors Trust, the tax-friendly way to preserve your charitable giving. In times of crisis, those with a giving spirit and a desire to build up civil society find ways to be helpful. And that's when it's good to have a charitable resource ready to deploy when they're needed most. Donors Trust offers donor-advised funds or giving accounts. You can use these funds as your own charitable investment account and manage your charitable giving in a way that's smart, tax-advantaged, aligned with your values, and private. Donors Trust clients are using their funds to support charities helping their local communities while also using their giving account to simultaneously support think tanks and liberty-minded organizations that believe our constitutional rights shouldn't get lost in a time of emergency. Now is the time to take a closer look at Donors Trust and join their community of liberty-minded donors by opening a donor-advised fund. Go to DonorsTrust.org slash JustNews for the ultimate survival guide to charitable giving and learn how a donor advised fund can preserve your ability to give to the charities you love. That's DonorsTrust.org slash Just News. Hello, America. This is the Victor Davis Hanson Show. This is our Friday news roundup, so we're going to look at the news for the week. We are podcasting on Wednesday, so uh, some of these events might have changed. In the meantime, uh, Joe Biden has just recently met with Xi in San Francisco, and Governor Newsom has hosted them, and we will start with that story and get to more. Stay with us, and we'll be right back. Can't pay the IRS? Haven't filed in a while? Receiving threatening letters? Yeah, it's about to get worse. The IRS is hiring an army of agents targeting hardworking Americans like you. You need warriors on your side. You need Tax Network USA. Tax Network USA employs brilliant strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. For instance, they've discovered a limited-time special offer that the IRS is willing to waive $1 billion in penalties. Find out if you qualify before it's too late. Never call the IRS alone. Let Tax Network USA attorneys handle it. They have preferred direct lines to the IRS. They know which agents to work with and which to avoid. They've resolved over $1 billion in tax debts and offer a best-in-class guarantee. Schedule your free consultation now. Call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit taxnetworkusa.com slash victor. taxnetworkusa.com slash victor. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factors No Prep, No Mess Meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors Fresh, Never Frozen Meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious Great tasting meals. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. What are you waiting for? For our listeners, Factor is giving you 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month when you use the promo code VICTOR50 at factormeals.com slash VICTOR50. Choose from six menu preferences to help you manage calories, maximize protein intake, avoid meat, or simply eat well-balanced. 
With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Remember, to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month, head to factormeals.com slash Victor50, that's V-I-C-T-O-R-5-0, and use the code Victor50, that's code Victor50, at factormeals.com slash Victor50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Welcome back. I would like to remind everybody that Victor is the Martin and Ely Anderson Senior Fellow in Military History and Classics at the Hoover Institution and the Wayne and Marsha Buskey Distinguished Fellow in History at Hillsdale College. You can find him at his website, victorhanson.com. Come join us for $5 a month or $50 a year, and you will receive access to the VDH Ultra articles. So we welcome everybody. The name of the website is The Blade of Perseus. And Victor, we have, before I actually, we talk about the G Biden meeting. I was wondering, I just saw this article um, in the news about airlines saying that they're all ready for the upcoming holiday season and all the holiday travelers. How much money are you willing to put on that? Well, I'm going to be a contrarian since I didn't know you were going to ask me that question. And I flew, <laughs> I flew, um, I had to go down and speak at the Prager. I, I just shouldn't say I had to. It was a very, it's a privilege to go down and speak I taught a class at Pepperdine, and then I did a video for the Prager U- University people and then spoke uh, with Dennis. He had, we had a conversation Saturday. So then I flew on a United flight from LAX to Chicago because I was a, at a Bradley Foundation board meeting in Milwaukee. And you know what? It, it took off exactly at the right time, and it was on time. Wow. So then the proof of the pudding is going back to the notorious Fresno Airport. And I got out of Milwaukee, the plane, it was late in the afternoon where the, I looked at where the plane's coming from. It had four different stops that day. So that was all a, a, a lot of exposure for delay. And then it came on time. This is United, no less. And mm-hmm. I got to Denver on time. I had a three-hour layover. And they did switch the gate and change all that. But it, it took off on time. We got on time. And then there was the Fresno factor when I got home. I mean, we sat Uh-oh. on tar- tarmac for about 10 minutes. <laughs> of course. Know, no sky bridge, <laughs> et cetera. But there I, was probably one more than one flight that came in and they were flummoxed. <laughs> yes. But I I, uh, I flew eight times out of state. I, I flew to Dallas on American and I flew to Washington, D.C. And these were connections. So and other places I have. And so something, I think they're making an effort. They're trying to load different, you know what I mean? Where they put window yeah. people on. And it looks to me like they're aware that the whole system is breaking down. Yeah. And they're trying to react. But the whole, everything is breaking down. But, so we'll see what so, happens. But of course, I wouldn't, after saying all that, I'm not going to fly anywhere on Thanksgiving or Christmas. Yeah. Well, so... So we have um, the Premier Xi in San Francisco. Newsom's cleaned up the streets. And in fact, he said something quite clever about the cleaning up of the streets, that he's doing it because he has two very important uh, figures coming to San Francisco. And he said, quote, that's true, because it's true. (laughs) 
I don't know what that was supposed to mean, but there's been a lot of complaint, of course, in California uh, because of the cleanup. So I was wondering um, what 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 you had to say about that. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, he was basically saying, what would you do if you live in a self-created hell and you're bringing (laughs) in the APEC, the Asian Pacific Economic uh, people, you know, our our allies. So they're there for three days. Then you have Qi. Jinping, the Chinese guy. So it's kind of like, you know, people that live in really messy homes and all of a sudden somebody's going to come over for dinner. Now, what do you do? You think, oh, I'm not going to be hypocritical. Uh, My kids are here and everybody. It's always a pig pen. So I'll just let the guy see how we actually live. Or do they clean it all up for the special dinner? And then the kids say, well, why don't you do that for us? (laughs) And that's what he did. And he was honest enough to say that he did. And then he, of course, lied as is his want by saying, but we've been working on this for a long time. They know what's going on. But the funny thing was, there was a European uh, film crew that was filming all day to highlight the, the visit of the Chinese president. And they got all their equipment stolen. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. $18,000. All their hard work for a whole day, just stolen in broad daylight. So he's got, he knows that to save San Francisco, it would be more than the city. They'd have to go back to three strikes or out. They'd have to put about 300,000 people back in prison that are are felons. They'd have to deal with the homeless issue and be tough about it. Yeah. You well, know, they. That, the, oh, go ahead. Yeah, if they were like, you know, that Napoleonic aphorism, you know, a whiff of grape shot or two, or the old idea in Voltaire to encourage the others about hanging. The same thing. If you just did it one or two times, then people would fall in line. If you said to the homeless, "You're not going to be on Union Square. I'm sorry," and you put them out to a humane. Uh, relocation where there were tents and facilities and bathrooms, say somewhere like Candlestick Park's old parking or something like that. I'm just yeah. making it up. Then yeah. they would get the message that they couldn't do that. I mean, there was a reason why. When you look at these problems, why didn't they exist before? What were our grandparents and parents doing that were not? Well, they were pretty mentally ill people in institutions. And or the family was intact to take care of their own. Or drugs were very hard to get. Or if they were so-called hobos or bums or whatever pejoratives they've used, they dealt with them and they they prosecuted them. Mm-hmm. So you you know it used to be if you were walking down San Francisco sidewalks in 1970 and you pulled out your blank and urinated on the sidewalk and a police saw you, he'd arrest you. As well, he should. There was yeah. a, a story Not about. Now. A homeless man who in San Francisco, he said to the interviewer, well, they've done this two times before and we just come back. He goes, this time they told us we can't go back there. <laughs> like, I mean, they, if it they, were so easy, why don't they just they, tell they, them you they, can't they, go back they, there? <laughs> they should know that the definition of immorality is failure to enforce morality. Then you hurt people. And so the people who are hurt by the homeless are much larger than the homeless. The people who are hurt by four-time felons that carjack and steal and shoot are much larger than the felon. But when you have a, a particular isolated elite that virtue signal and feels they find some kind of spiritual reaffirmation by hurting the majority by 
supposedly being magnanimous to a small group of people, then you have these problems. And it doesn't take much. It doesn't. It's, you know, it's like the United States. Speaking of San Francisco, I mean, we had Chi there. And so the president comes, uh, Biden comes, and he meets the top dog in China. And what is China? I mean, the scariest thing about that summit? Yes. Was... Biden's people said that Biden talked all the time and she just listened. I'm thinking, yeah, Neville Chamberlain talked all the time at Munich, too. Hitler just listened. So why did he come? You know why he came? Because he looks at the here's what he's thinking. He's thinking this isn't the 1990s and the 2000s when we got away with patent infringement, copyright theft, dumping product to get market share manipulating the currencies, stealing, you know, intellectual property, technology, espionage. This is the big leaks. We we killed millions of people with COVID, and we just told them, screw you. We put a biorab, one of our companies did, right in Reedley, California, and you couldn't do anything about it. We took a balloon and just lazily sent it over all your installations. You didn't do anything about it. We buy farmland near your bases. You don't do anything about it. And now we're he's thinking of that. And then he's looking at mm, Kabul, Kabul. Look at that. 50 billion and abandoned stuff. And then he says, Mark Milley, the chairman of the Joint Chief, called us up to warn us about their own president. We have to have a summit and talk about how them, our military should communicate with each other. We like this sort of communication. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's one of the yeah. things he said. We have to. Well, our, commun- our military people must communicate. Well, you, he just snubbed Austin. Austin went over there in obsequious fashion. He said, nah, I don't want to talk to you. And then Millie went over and, you know, basically called up and not went over, but he called up and ratted out his own president. And so the Chinese think, wow, what is going on? This isn't like the 90s. We're getting away with murder. We're trashing the Philippines. We're buzzing American planes. We're carving out whole swaths of territory. We've got all the allies frightened that America's not there. I got to go over there and see what this crazy Biden is. He's telling everybody we're friends. I got to go see what this guy is, if it's true, if he's really mentally addled and he's ethically challenged. Probably I know that because we challenged him and bought off his crooked family. And we got to see why everybody hates him because he's in the 30, high 30s in his polls some weeks. And we'll see what he's going to, if he's even able to be a candidate. I want to see this because I can't believe what we're getting away with. So yeah. that's, what, that's why he came. And yeah. That, well, Biden's rhetoric was that he wants to, quote, get back on a normal course of corresponding. And the only reason, only good thing Biden did, he hasn't quite dismantled all the Trump reciprocal demands on trade. Yeah. But he said, he said I, I just listened to what he said a minute ago. Well, uh, his team said, well, we're going to, we, they're going to explore uh, AI and not, why would we do that? We're still ahead of them in AI. Mm-hmm. All they do is take it from us. And yeah. then he said, and then we're going to have the, our military leaders talk to him. Well, of course you want that because that's what Millie did. He talked to you. Why mm-hmm. should we, you know, why do that? And then John Kerry was at the right-hand side of, of everything. 
and they're opening two coal plants a month. Why would they want to ever reduce their carbon emissions? They want everybody else to do it. Yeah, so, they're just going to smile and shake their yes, head. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so all these things they don't listen to. No. They're, what You know, what causes a war is when a strong power is is in decline or thinks it's in decline and a weaker power makes the wrong estimation. So if you look at the assets of the German German Reich in 1938-39 and you look at what the British Empire had, I'm not talking about just Britain. Britain, the empire and the so-called overseas, I don't know what you'd call them at that point, the Commonwealth, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, India, and then uh, the Middle East oil. And Britain had so much. And even in technology, the Spitfire was as good or better than the BF-109. All they had to do was just stare Hitler down. The British Navy could have blown up the entire German Navy out of the water. But Hitler kept saying, God, why are they so weak? They won World War I. We lost. Why do they keep a peace in us? Ah, they must not think they're strong. If they don't think they're strong, we'll attack. And they won't do anything. And that's what's scary right now, because we are stronger still than China. We have yeah. a bigger economy. We have a bigger military in many ways. We have more nuclear weapons. We have a more dynamic culture, even in its nadir. So, but he came over here to see what was going on. I think he left thinking, you know what? There's a brief window of opportunity. Their economy is as bad as ours. Their border is wide open. They have a crime spree. Their military is woke and DEI. And they got a president that has no idea where he is. And I'm going to try to push, push, push. So I think it was a big failure. I really do. Yeah, I, I think you're right about that. But since you were speaking of the Biden administration, effort at appeasement. Just recently, they freed up about $10 billion in once-sanctioned funds for the Iranian government. And I was wondering if you had any thoughts on on their current Iranian expedition. They always talk, they say, well, it's not new funds, it's prior sanctioned money. But the fact of the matter is, that our strongest ally is facing 120 to 150,000 rockets. And they wouldn't have one of them if Iran hadn't given all of the sanction relief cash. Same thing with Hamas. And so why, I, I don't understand it. I'm not just being rhetorical. I mean, we for the $6 billion we we got South Korea supposedly to release, that was $1.2 billion per cap captive that Iran had. We're not even talking about the the 12 missing uh, Americans that are probably captives and the 30 that were killed by Hamas. So we're not talking about getting anything back. We're talking about buying them from Iran. And now we're going to top that $6 billion with another $10 billion. Where does it? Where does Biden think the money's going to go? To wind and solar? Is that what he thinks? Is he thinking they're going to make a cultural center or an opera or symphony in Tehran? No, it's going to go right into the hands of the Syrians and Hezbollah and Hamas. That's what he's going to do. And the Houthis in Yemen. It just, I, it, 
it, it gets to the point where if you you sat down with somebody, you played a game, and you said, "Hey, how could I weaken the United States and make Iran strong?" And you, you go, "Why? Well, I think I release all the oil money sanctions." Okay. Uh, well, I think I can top you there. I think I try to buy hostages back for you at $1.2 billion. So you would take more of them. Well, I think um, that I would start the Iran deal again. Hmm. Well, I think I would make distance between Israel and us. I think I would get the Houthis declassified as a terrorist organization. I think I would, uh, I'll top you there. I think I'll give $700 million to Hamas and the Palestinian. And that's why they, they couldn't come up any worse if they had just played a game about who could top the other in appeasing Iran. Yeah, but so, they're much less clever than that. They think they're doing something good by putting the United States in the position that it's in. I think they must. I mean, I, I can't believe that they are intentionally trying to destroy the position, power, and culture of the United States. I think they think, wow, we're doing such a great job for the United States. We're making it a better place. More people will like us, et cetera. I mean, I guess. I don't, I don't know how they've so blinded themselves to what really is going on, but I, I, I just think they must think that way. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Well, I mean... They think they're doing good. They think because they have a different view of human nature than the people listening to this podcast. People yeah. listening to this podcast, all of you out there, you understand the tragic nature of man. He's imperfect. And the way that we protect each other from human nature is we have laws and deterrence. And the reason the criminal doesn't kill us all is not because we make the law, we dismantle the judicial system because he's afraid of suffering in prison. So he, he thinks that the the downside's greater than the upside of stealing. And yeah. that's how the world works. But these people, they always come out of the woodwork when you have a three strikes law and it worked and crime is down or Giuliani cleans up New York or there's a booming economy. Then they come out of the work and say, ah, now we can experiment with our social utopianism because everything's going well. And it takes them about five years to screw it up. Yeah. And that's the problem. Yeah, that sure is. Well, Victor, let's go ahead and take a break, and then we'll come back and talk about the Al-Shifa Hospital and the IDF. Stay with us, and we'll be right back. Have you heard of cancer-fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and veggies may actually lower, lower your risk of cancer. Hopefully you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. If not, you should consider adding Field of Greens to your daily health regimen. Each fruit and veggie in Field of Greens was doctor-selected for studied health benefits. There's a heart health group, lungs, kidneys, and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is found in each scoop of delicious Field of Greens. Will Field of Greens prevent, treat, or cure cancer? No, but it's so powerful, it promises at your next checkup, your doctor will notice your improved health or your money back. I got you 15% off and free rush shipping. Visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code VICTOR, V-I-C-T-O-R. 
for your discount. That's promo code VICTOR at fieldofgreens.com, fieldofgreens.com. Hey, folks, if you've been listening to our show, you've probably heard Victor talk about Hillsdale College. It's one of the few colleges in the U.S. still interested in teaching truth. What you probably didn't know is that they have over 40 free online courses. And Victor is one of the professors in three of those courses, American Citizenship and its Decline, based on Victor's book, The Dying Citizen, How Progressive Elites, Tribalism, and Globalization are Destroying the Idea of America, The Second World Wars, based on his book by the same name, and Athens and Sparta, partly based on his book, A War Like No Other, How the Athenians and Spartans Fought the Peloponnesian War. Don't you wish Victor would have been one of your professors in college? Well, now you can join him as he covers some of the main ideas of his books with Hillsdale College's online courses, all available for free. That's right, for free. The courses are seven to nine episodes long, and they are self-spaced, so you can take them whenever and wherever. I think I'm going to start with American Citizenship and Its Decline, where Victor explores the history of citizenship in the West and the threats it faces today. Threats like the erosion of the middle class, the disappearance of our borders, the growth of an unaccountable deep state, and the rise of globalist organizations. Hey, start your free course with Victor Davis Hansen today. Go right now to Hillsdale edu slash vdh to start it's free and it's easy to get started that's hillsdale.edu slash vdh to start hillsdale.edu slash vdh this is the victor davis hansen show and welcome back victor um so the idf has raided the al shifa hospital they thought they were going to find um sort of a nerve center of um hamas communications and tunnel and have they found that i got i was reading all the presses i got the feeling from some of it oh they really didn't find that much under no, it but other I mean, they, go ahead they're, they're scratching the surface they'll find stuff but, you know, it's hard to tell. The BBC, did you see that? The BBC ran a report and said that the IDF is targeting medical teams and Arab speakers. <laughs> yes, and then, right. And then they had a correction. You know what it said? Oh, sorry about that. What we meant to say is the IDF is providing medical teams and Arab speakers for the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> they got it completely wrong. And it's just always they err, always in the predictable fashion. And there was another newswire report that the israeli snipers see these guys coming out of the hospital in the crowd and they're debating well do i shoot take this guy out and then cause a riot or something so they let him get out but it's a war crime what we're dealing with is such as asymmetry that any idiot could see it but there, i guess there's a lot of idiots at stanford or harvard or yale or princeton that can't see it they're not even idiot class one. They're idiot rank four. And they, they haven't made it up to, I don't know what's wrong with them, but do they understand that when one side shoots 7,000 rockets, double the number of V2 rockets that Germany sent into Britain, 
in five months and they do that in four weeks and they don't have leaflets, they don't call people and they're trying to kill every Jewish civilian. That is different than trying to stop those rockets by bombing their tunnels and dropping leaflets and warning people to get out of the target area. Do they see the difference? Do they see the difference at going in at a time of peace during a holiday early in the morning and raping and mutilating and beheading and incinerating elderly children, babies, women, is different than trying to avoid them when they're being used as shields? If the Israelis had shields, they it would never work because Hamas would target the shields. It works for Hamas because Israel it doesn't. That's a difference. That's a difference. It's a moral difference. And don't people see the difference? And then they'll say, well, it's disproportional. It's disproportionate. Well, the only difference is that the terrorism that Hamas is employing is not as effective in winning the war as the conventional warfare that Israel is employing. The other canard is everybody says, well, Israel's really strong. And Hamas is being picked on. No, 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 no. Israel has 10 million people. There are 500 Arab Muslims in its vicinity. There are 2 billion Muslims worldwide. There is enormous populations in Europe and the United States of pro-Hamas people. They have all the numbers. They have the oil money. They have everything. So don't tell me that that tiny little country of 10 million people is a bully just because Hamas on a particular tactical situation can't draw on all the resources. It can't suck Iran in. It can't suck Hezbollah in. It can't suck Egypt and Jordan in. But believe me, they're all sympathetic in theory to Jew hatred and the destruction of Israel. What they're not quite sympathetic is Hamas, because they know they're they're not they're not really an army, they're not really a cause, they're a group of thugs, they're gangsters, they're like the mafia, and they fear them as much as the Israelis do. Yeah. So nobody wants to take them, huh? The nobody, Egyptians, Jordanians, Biden, Biden and yeah. New Yorkers do. <laughs> yeah, they think, wow, let's see. Let's look at Massachusetts Institute of Technology. Hmm. Well, they had some Middle Eastern students, and they were harassing Jews to the extent that the president had to say, hey, Jews, uh, I, I won't or can't protect you from our Middle Eastern students, but I can tell you where you can't go. Don't go here and don't go there. And then they started hijacking classes. You can see it on YouTube where a guy comes in, screams and yells, and the poor professor stops teaching. <laughs> and stops it, and then the guy rants on about Hamas, and they are damaging property, and they're physically assaulting Jews. And the president said, "Well, technically, this is a uh, infraction that could call for expulsion. But if I expelled them, expelled them." Oh, my God, they might lose their student visas. I can't do that. So I'll give them a warning. I'll put them on probation. In other words, you American students follow the letter of the law, especially you Jewish kids. But anybody from the Middle East, you can break it because I would not want to send you back to the places that you're glorifying and you're talking 
about nonstop and you're praising, you would not want to go back to the Muslim utopia that you left where you'd have a nice dictator and sexual apartheid. And if you were in Iran, you would stone or hang gays and there'd be no freedom of the press. And if you tried this trick back in Egypt or Jordan or Syria or Iraq of getting on a bullhorn and screaming and yelling or taking over a bridge or throwing paint on them, something, they would shoot you. They would shoot you if you were opposing the government. Look what Mr. Hafez al-Sad did to people. Uh, he killed 20,000 of them that objected to his rule. So I don't understand it. I don't know why we just don't say, if you come to our country and you're on a student visa, I know you pay 110% of tuition, but you broke all our rules and you're violent and you're harming American citizens. So I suggest you go back to where you want to be. And, you know, it's that old Napoleon they ask him how he stopped the riot in Italy, a, a whiff of grape shot. They ask uh, Voltaire said they hung Admiral Bing to encourage the others. All you'd have to do is one or two students. Yeah. Just, trust me. You saw that when they said that law firms weren't going to hire st students that were <laughs> pro Hamas, and they all of a sudden they started getting scared. All you have to do is take the three most active foreign students on a student visa who are breaking the law and committing felonies, defacing public property, taking over traffic. I'm not even talking about their death speeches and death chantings and genocidal talk. I'm just talking about breaking the law and send them back where they came from, cancel their visa. And I think everybody would say, I, I don't want to go back there. I don't. I do not want to go back to Jericho. I will not go back to Cairo. I do not want to go back to Damascus. So, Well, we do have some protesters that are pro-Israel these days. I hear that on the Stanford campus that they're facing off with, uh, figuratively facing off in the same place, in the same square with the pro-Palestinian. I, I walked yeah. by today and I talked to some people. Uh and they had not done that. They had a, a uh, some posters and a display, but now they have a, a competing booth of information. And uh, yeah. it was and raining tonight. I mean, I did see one of the Middle Eastern had little signs, please be quiet, don't wake the protesters asleep. They were intense. So there's a lot of people there, and I That's ridiculous. Tried, I, I know. It. That's, That's like ridiculous. Sheik protesting. Yeah, no kidding. What but, about the 300,000 at the Washington Mall that were pro-Israel? They were very peaceful. They didn't uh, start chanting lies like apartheid or... I think... I think uh, or the, actually a Gender apartheid is not a lie about Hamas. So, they, in fact, well, they should no, chant it's, it's that. In their but, charter. It's in their yeah. charter. It's in yeah. their charter. Read it. What it says the expectations of women are is to produce yeah. more Hamas fighters. Yeah. So, no, 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 no. It's in their charter about the distinctions between the sexes. But there is a mirror image, just as we were talking about the difference in tactics. One side drops leaflets, one side aims specifically at civilians one side mutilates and burns the other side tries to avoid hospitals one side built builds tunnels and headquarters under mosque and hospitals the other side doesn't there's also that same asymmetry in these demonstrations 
So ask everybody who's listening, which side wears mask? I don't see Israelis with wrapping their face in masks. Do you when they're pro-Israel marchers? No. I don't. I see a lot pro-Hamas. Which side tends to deface things? Our swarm statues, our bloody handprints. Which side takes over bridges or tears down American flags on Veterans Day? Or which side is more likely to tear down posters of the other side? So it's it, that asymmetry just reflects the asymmetry in the Middle East. And nobody wants to talk about it. Yeah. But uh, if you don't defend your culture and you don't defend your civilization and you're afraid of making a value judgment, then you don't deserve to have it. And that's what's happening. We're eroding because... 51% of us who don't believe this, we're not speaking up. And we've got to speak up. And yeah. Donald Trump and DeSantis both said, I don't know what Haley said, but they would deport. She didn't. She was weak on that. They would deport people who break the law on student visas. And they wouldn't issue as many. And everybody thought that was so mean. You know. But yeah. apparently, you know, now that you're talking about Trump, I noticed the polls today, a Quinnipiac poll, John, Donald Trump was at 64 and DeSantis at 16, Haley at nine and Ramaswamy at four. He is just miles ahead yes, of the other. Yes. It's, it's incredible. Just, they, the left doesn't understand what they're doing. In fact, yeah. the left is is doing something very stupid They're They've gone after him in such a fashion with these crazy Latita James and Soros attorneys, Alvin Bragg, and it's so such a miscarriage that if they put him in jail, and they may well do that, they're going to be an enormous uh, outcry. I mean, it's going to be, they have no idea what they're, you can't do that. We've never done that in American history. Put the leading nominee in jail and then for weaponizing the electoral system it's it's getting very scary and a lot of people are showing their anger and then uh it's the candidates if you were a person out there who is solidly trump i think everybody's out there is willing to vote for the nominee the more conservative nominee and i mean anybody's more conservative than joe biden or whatever the left puts yeah. out I wish just everybody would just take a deep breath and say, whatever happens, I am going to vote for the person who gets the nomination. Yeah. I have some doubts about Haley, but believe me, I will vote for her in two seconds. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. I think that uh, what we're having is it has to, we have to get it down very quickly, as quickly as possible. If you're going to have an interesting race and debates, otherwise the debates are a waste of time. You've got to get down to the people who are the main opposition. And again, that's DeSantis and Haley, and they each are different, and they can debate where the Republican Party should go. And then Donald Trump, he should he should campaign, because if he doesn't, I don't, I don't mean campaign, but debate, then he's doing what Joe Biden did when he av avoided that. Yeah. And he's a good debater. So he should get in there and do his thing with uh, DeSantis and Haley. And there should be three of them. And then if one of them doesn't perform or falls in the poem, then let's get down to a two person race. But all these different candidates, it's, it's just a waste of time. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, well, since you're talking about candidates on, on the left, did you I, I meant to ask you this when you were talking about Xi and Biden in San Francisco. Do you think that that was Biden sort of putting his hand on the shoulder of Newsom and, and it's sort of the way an emperor might adopt a son as his um, successor? Should he not be able to make it himself? Do you Only think in that- a sense that. The subtext of that was we're never going to have Kamala Harris. Yeah. He would not invite her out in front of everybody, hug her in front of. No, he doesn't want to do that. He knows that that's a lose lose situation. And he doesn't, I don't think he's going to run again. I really don't. I don't think he's able to. I don't think he thinks he is. Well, you should have seen the conference. I think he's, he I, had, think he's just, yeah. I mean, if he says it now, he's a lame duck and he has no power. So he'll hold out. Maybe he'll even get nominated at the convention, right? Yeah. And then suddenly in August, they'll just appoint somebody and that's how they get rid of Harris. I don't know, but they're going to get rid of her. They're not. Yeah. Gonna, they're, she's not going to be running for president. And he knows that. So he's going to be much friendlier to Newsom than he is her. It's not so yeah. much pro Newsom. He just. It's not that he's anti-Harris. It's just that she's childlike. Yeah, but Newsom also, just in that line of argument, is very careful to um, say that, of course, he would never run again. And, of course, Biden is the man. And so he, you know, um, loyally backs Biden know, as though he may have had some sort of um, agreement behind closed doors that if Biden can't quite make it and get across the finish well, line in the next campaign, that Newsom's the one. agreement. The big money in California, the Silicon Valley money, will be for him. Yeah, it's a losing deal, and you can't say anything Newsom says. I mean, it's like saying I wear my mask everywhere during the COVID thing. He just lies all the time. So he's smooth. He's good looking. He's young. I guess that's that's about it. And he can speak well, as I said, for ten minutes. He has all the memorized can line, and then after that, he's flailing. Yeah. But uh, for it to be for it to be an interesting, I think we could go through all the strategies very quickly of all the candidates. Haley, Haley believes that she can tack right in the primary, but wink and nod and give the impression that she's going to be the return of the sober and judicious Republican, kind of the George Bush Republican, you know, good people that are Republican. They're just kind of turned off by the MAGA agenda and that she'll say MAGA because it's you have to in the primaries. But basically, that's what her appeal is to people. And then DeSantis's strategy, it seems to me, is he's going to be number two. He thinks he can defeat Haley. And I think people are listening to this. Ask yourself, because they have to unify the party if they're going to beat Trump. Their attitude is... uh, DeSantis, I think, probably would think he can appeal to the independent Haley voter or swing voter, Republican establishmentarianism, and get them on his fold much easier than she can get the MAGA. You know what I mean? The MAGA base. Yeah. Yeah. If she were to win, I don't think she could get the MAGA base. If DeSantis could win, I think he would get her constituency. As well as the MAGA. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And then there's, and Trump's strategy is he's, Every t- all he has to do, he thinks, is not debate 
because the baits haven't worked well for anybody. There were too many people. It's kind of a yeah. circus, circus. And stay out of jail and prolong and prolong and prolong and then do his rallies and pace himself because there's a lot his a lot of critics are pointing out that he's going to be 78 if he were to be president he's 76 sometimes he gets confused where he is and all that stuff but he's he's under enormous stress and he's got a political brilliant plan to turn that against the people who were doing it and to win empathy from the republicans and more importantly the worst his message is the worse everything gets, the more you need a pit bull. He's basically saying to the Republican Party, look at the border, look at our energy, look at the foreign policy, look at these wars. You, the, traditional nostrums don't work. I'm your pit bull, just cut the rope, cut the rope, point me in the right direction. And that's what he's starting to do. So what did he do this week? Pitbull like he said that he was going to see the biggest, <laughs> the biggest deportations in history. <laughs> and he's going to send them all back to the Middle East. He's going to send all we're going to find every illegal alien that came on in under Biden. And <laughs> you're going to love beautiful oil. We're going to pump. And so he's talking in superlatives, but that's the image he wants to convey that to deal with these people on the left, you just have to go completely mad. So that the voter says, you know what? I didn't like his tweets. I think he's crude. He's starting to really freak out now. He's he's reacting and attacking judges. But you know what? That type of mad dogness is what we need because yeah. he will chew those guys up. And that's what his opponents are trying to to react to. I think that's yeah. why every once in a while, you know, DeSantis says the same stuff, but he tries to be more, you know. I'm going to deport this category, this category. Same thing, but not so uh, emotional. Yeah, and much more methodical. And, yeah, and you look at the other side, and it's, it's. I keep going back to that. I think it's a pseudo Aesop fable about bellying a cat. You know, the little they're all little mice, and they know that the cat is Joe Biden, who will devour the party if he runs. And somebody's got to put a bell around his neck, but he may bite you. Somebody's got to go to Joe and say, you're not going to be the candidate because you'll destroy us. And nobody wants to be that person. Yeah. And they know that he can't win. So they even thought that destroying Donald Trump would win, would keep them. But now they've done such a good job of of making a mockery of the law that it's not that he's leading in the polls is he's leading Biden four or five points mm -hmm. and they created that. And now they're looking around and they're thinking, Hmm, Michelle, nah, Gavin. Yes. Gavin. They don't have a lot to pick from. It's just, it's just how to get, they know what they have now and they know where they want to be. It's just the, the rub is how to get from a to B. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Victor, let's go ahead and take a break and then come back and talk a little bit about the British Home Secretary and maybe some ideas from the King of Jordan, Hussein, King Hussein of Jordan. Stay with us and we'll be right back. At Just the News, we break the stories others in the media ignore or are too afraid to tell. We did it on Russia collusion, Hunter Biden and the security and intelligence failures that preceded January 6th. Our stories have real impact and reach because we stick to the facts. 
I'm John Solomon. You can help me expand our honest, unvarnished, and unbiased reporting by becoming a premium member at Just the News. You'll get an ad-free experience and exclusive member-only access to events, and you'll be helping us dig up more truth. Join today at justthenews.com slash subscribe. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Welcome back to the Victor Davis Hanson Show. And Victor, so the British Home Secretary was forced out of her cabinet after she complained about the British police's favoritism to Muslim demonstrators. Is Britain lost on this issue? She's a very interesting person. Swella Braverman. Yeah, yeah. She's married to a Jewish guy. She's, I think she's from a South African Indian family. But I was wondering about her name. Swella, you know what it's from? What? You'll never guess. If you guess this, I will give you a it's thousand a dollars. It's an ancient Greek word no, that no, means. No, no. <laughs> the only okay. thing I can think of is su, su, su is, it's a word for a porcine sound in Greek, but no. Uh, no, I, I have no idea. Means, a word yeah. Her mother, who was an immigrant, loved Dallas. The TV show, you remember? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And her favorite character was Sue Ellen. Oh, wow. Her name was, she named her daughter Sue Ellen. And she goes by Swellen. And they just took the two names and sounded them together. Sue Ella. Swella. (laughs) Very cool. Yes. So she was the only voice in the wilderness that was warning about these Palestinian death. It was a death cult, and they were yelling like gangsters to kill, 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 and genocide. And she said, you can't let this go on. You're letting, you're clamping down on other protesters, but you're giving these people exemptions. And basically what she was saying to the government for which she worked was, we don't have any principles. All we're doing is reacting to the perceived stronger force, right? We're afraid that the pro-Hamas people are are capable of anything, right? Yes. And the Jewish, pro-Jewish, will follow the law and therefore will clamp down the guys that are are lawful and will empower the people who are unlawful. And that way we'll have the path of least resistance. And that's what they did. She did, and she got fired. And her argument is sort of like the argument that Trump was making in 2016 that the about the Republican Party is that the conservative party should be winning because on all of the issues, the people are sick of these protests. They're sick of the uh, flood of immigrants. They want assimilation. They want people to be united with their love of Britain. Uh, but the conservative party is not standing up for those principles. They're just selling out. And people think, you know what? If I want to get free stuff, I might as well vote labor because they're at least honest. You know what you get. But why would I vote for you guys when you're just fake? 
you say you're conservative and you say this and that, but you're not. You're scared. And mm-hmm. so she I think she's the future of the party. Oh, really? You, you yeah. think so? So she's this has been a great thing for her per- political career. Then. I think it has because that Rishi Sunak that appointed her. She pointed out that everything he said that he was going to do for her to take the job, he didn't do. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, they've gone through. They're talking about bringing that hack David Cameron back. Yeah, I, I heard that too. I mean, that would be that's like bringing Tony Blair, Blair back or something. Gosh, but I mean, they've gone through what Theresa May, and then they went through Boris Boris Johnson, and then they went through uh, they went through another person. Remember, she was there for just a second. It was, I guess, it was. Uh, well, Theresa May was there first, and then it was Boris Johnson. And then they... Boris Johnson take up a new job just recently. I can't remember what it was, but he was doing to get back. some he television thing. Very bright. He was a very bright guy <laughs> that was just completely undisciplined. Yeah. In his every yeah. aspect of his comportment. Yeah. Uh, and he was non, non-disciplined, undisciplined. Yeah. So... They have a bigger problem. We always say that. We always say, well, the Europeans have a bigger problem because they're aristocrats and they don't intermarry and integrate and assimilate to the same degree that we do. And they've got a huge border with the Mediterranean and they've got it. No, I don't think that's true. And I think we have a bigger problem. We have 50 million people who weren't born in the United States, 27% of the population of California. Yeah. For somebody. So, well, we assimilate. We inter- I'd say come down to rural Fresno County and I'll take you around and see how well people are assimilated. Yeah. Because yeah. I can show you people within a five-mile radius that, in their view, it's a nice – it's just like Oaxaca, only the water is clean and there's no corruption, they think. But otherwise, it's, you know, chickens on the road and dogs that aren't licensed and just do your own thing. Yeah. Well, the last thing I wanted to talk to you about is um, King Jordan, uh, the King of Jordan, Hussein, has been calling for a two-state solution all of a sudden. He said it would be, quote, a victory for our common humanity. I thought, boy, that's a horse that's already left the barn, the two-state solution. Well, he's thinking that he wants to... Once the rubble of Gaza is over with and he hopes that they kill all the Hamas people, then he wants to point the Palestinian authority over to Gaza and say, you can take Gaza and the Pal, and then you can, will force Israel to negotiate and they'll have a nation. And you're thinking, well, why would they do that? Because Hamas had spent a year fooling the Israelis by saying they wanted to make Singapore, they wanted to have guest workers, they wanted a higher standard of living, they needed more aid, they'd given up the armed struggle just to lull the Israelis in so they could slit their throats. So why would they consent to something like that, to formalize a a hostile power? I don't know what the answer is. Uh, That'll be what everybody pushes. But I think what the Israelis were saying, maybe all the Gazans should just never come back and just go to Jordan. Yeah, or that's something like that. that. That's what he was he was saying. You know, the word Palestinian is an ancient corruption of Philistine. But 
there was no nobody. I mean, the Jews were just they were labeled Palestinians as were Arabs in the sense that they resided in ancient Philistine yeah. territory. But it wasn't really until after the 67 day war when in the aftermath of losing all of that. Uh, King Hussein, who lost the West Bank that was part of Jordan. And then when the terrorism started, he just thought, you know what? I don't want this part of my kingdom anymore. His dad. I yeah. just want to give it away. So I'll give it to all you terrorists. It'll be called terrorist. Oh, terrorist haven? Now that won't work. Call yourself Palestinian, even though you're Jordanian. So that's what they did. Yeah. And he doesn't want it. He doesn't want anything to do with it. No, and Egypt doesn't want anything to do. They ruled the Gaza Strip for a while. They don't want anything to do with it. And the Israelis say, well, if you don't want anything to do with it, and you're scared of everybody there, why don't you take them in? And that's not going to work either. The West and everybody will not allow Israel to reoccupy Gaza or or anything. You know, they're pressuring them on the West Bank already. So I don't so know. So Israel's just going to make this so this war becomes some sort of extended state of being, don't you think? Because well, you're not going to want to occupy it, and you're not going to want Hamas there. Well, so, they had this theory of mowing the lawn, that every five years you go in there and clean it out and knock a few heads, and that didn't work, did it? No. No. You can't. It's like, you know, if you got lawn and there's weeds in it, even mowing, mowing it won't get rid of the weeds. So, well, I've heard you talk about it's kind of like the post-World War II, go in, occupy, and change the whole mindset of the population. Yeah. But I, I don't I see that happening. Yeah. It would be a very expensive opportunity. Uh, it would be something like the 21% who live in Israel. You'd have to say, you know what, we will take you Gazans, but... Would you really want to say that this is Israel and we're going to give you and Gaza the same type of living standards that we do with our own Arab population? And therefore, we, instead of having 2 million Arabs, we'd have 4 million Arabs. We'd go from 20% to 40% of the population. I don't think that's going to happen. No, they can't that, do that. That would, be, that would be a suicide death wish. Yeah, because... As we've talked about here before, there's not a whole lot of distinction between Hamas and Palestinians because the Palestinians seem to that were not part of Hamas seem to come in right after them, or at least they were so silent they would allow anything to go I on. I don't so. think Hamas understands something, and I don't think their protesters understand something. Everybody says the world's turned against Israel. I don't think it has. I think publicly it might. But I'm talking about what people really feel. Because once you do something like that, time of peace, holiday, families sleeping right next to the border, the military not really secure alert because they felt they're in a period of rapprochement. And... You let these guest workers come in, and then you learn that they're taking notes. And the guy who said, hey, I'll take you to lunch or I'll fix your tire for you. He's taking pictures of how I can come back here and slit his throat and rape his wife. Once you do that, and once you mutilate 
And once you behead, and once you incinerate, and once you torture, that that pollutes your whole ideology. That pollutes your whole cause. That you're just you're a miscreant. Nobody wants anything to do with you. Yeah. So these protesters go out there, but people say, "Wow, they're pro- they're for those. Those are those people. They were cheering these people on." They're beyond the pale, and they don't understand how repugnant that is to people. Yeah. So when you you can say, well, I'm on campus, and I, I say from the river to the sea, and I got all the Jews on the, on the run. You may have it on, what, 150,000 students go to elite universities out of 35 million people that are over the age of 18 in this country. Most people do not. They not only are not for Hamas, They don't want anything to do with it, and they don't want anything to do with the people who are for Hamas. It's such a polluted, tainted cause. It's like what Germany, it was the reputation Germany had after World War II or Japan. And that's what Hamas is. And that's why nobody wants it. That's why the Egyptians and the Jordanians say, you know what? I do not want those people anywhere near me. And if Biden's tries to bring in a lot of people from Gaza. And somebody's going to interrupt me and say, Victor, but they're not the same. Okay, yes, they're not. However, somebody voted at a man one time, and somebody was cheering all the time on news that they had slaughtered Jews. And somebody followed them in there and tagged along for easy raping and easy looting and easy killing. So, and somebody knows that where all these tunnels are, and somebody didn't really protest. So they got what they wanted, I guess you would say. And so, but I think they're going to be pariahs. I really do. I think they're going to be international pariahs. I bet if they ever had a, if what would you do if you were in the United States and you were a customs officer and there was such a thing as a Gazan passport? Oh, I come from Gaza. Uh-oh. Were you one of the people that were cheering on the beheading? You know what I mean? It's just, it's. They don't understand that. The, the, everybody says, well, the young people are for them, and they got these huge crowds. No, there's 1% of the population are Arab Muslim, and 65% of the population is vehemently against Hamas. And yeah. they don't understand that, that a lot of people just say, I do not want anything to do with anybody who supports that cause, because it's such a clear moral difference. And yeah. um, I feel sorry for a lot of the kids that are misled and they're out there. I see them on campus and they're, they don't understand what they're doing. They are basically saying, I approve of going into Israel and slitting throats and raping and beheading and putting babies in ovens and burning them up because uh, that's, that's context. It's complex. It's context. That's yeah. what they're for. Ultimately, that's what they're for. Yes. Yes. And it, and as we've said before, the women are particularly. I mean, what? How ridiculous to be a woman and to be out there protesting on the, on behalf of Hamas, who wouldn't let you protest at all if you were among them. No, That's just so. I think an American does. Americans <laughs> here in this country, and it's Veterans Day. Veterans Day in his own country he turns on the television. There's some guy in Palestinian garb tearing down flags on Veterans Day with everybody cheering them on? Is that is that a way to win over American foreign policy? Yeah. 
to go in and have Rashida Tlaib scream and yell and call everybody names. And I'm never going to forget. You know what she said? She said, I'm, we're not going to let you forget this, Joe Biden. And he's thinking, OK, you have 200,000 voters in Michigan, but you're not going to change the country. And what does she think she has? Thank God she's not going to change. What does she think she has? Where's her lever coming? Her pressure is, you know, is the Hispanic community saying in Fresno County, oh, my God, Tlaib said that Joe Biden is genocide Joe. I'm not going to vote for him anymore. No, they're not going to vote for him, but it's not because of that. Yeah. Well, Victor, thank you for everything today. I have two comments from your listeners from, yeah, from Apple Podcasts. They're nice ones. I just have a couple of short thank yous. One says, Americans are as frustrated as you, VDH. All the American mess today can be corrected and did not need to happen. But here we are. Your comments toward the end of the podcast today regarding your visitor from Israel and his comment regarding your collection had me in stitches. Thank you, Victor. Victor, these are not guns. <laughs> these are not guns. These are relics. These are antiques, but they're not they're not the adequate gun you need. You're not going to defend yourself with those. <laughs> no, I'm not. I know it. I thought, wow. Oh. He was a and person. He was very. That know. was from the outdoor painter, Gwen, by the way. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, What's the other one? The second one is, again, thank you, Victor. And it says, Victor is amazing with his insight about our culture and political environment. I save his podcast to listen to during my chores on our ranch here in Texas. Thank you, Victor, for telling the truth and giving us facts to understand the world that we live in today. Prayers to you and your family. Cattle girl, me. And well, thank I you. That's all. You know, I got, yeah. a, I got some emails that were hostile. I'm getting more of them. One of them said, you're a hypocrite because you still work at Stanford and you criticize Stanford. Why don't you quit? I don't, I'm not a professor at Stanford. I am a tenured senior fellow at Hoover. Hoover Institution, yes, it's part of Stanford, but it's trying, it's its whole existence is to give an offer, an opposite point of view than Stanford. Read its mission statement. Read its founding documents, its small government, personal freedom, free market capitalism in the context of war and peace and strong deterrence, strong military. It's not the Stanford Faculty Senate. I, I can maybe the Stanford Faculty Senate thinks it is and it's trying to take us over. But I don't understand that. I mean, I can be criticizing a lot of things, but the fact that I'm at the Hoover Institution and criticizing what Stanford has become is not a contradiction that I'm at the Hoover Institution. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. It doesn't, make, it doesn't make any sense. And I get a lot of those recently. And uh, <laughs> no, I do. Uh, and then somebody said, well, you should give us a little. I'm going to print. Well, I have two more really nutty, uh, angry leaders, you guys, next week that are coming out. But nice. then I have two kind ones. I mean, they're kind, they're polite, they're rational criticism. Oh, so good. I, I will, uh, I'll put that. Well, I'm, the biggest criticism I get is on the 2020 election. People think that I haven't been strong enough in suggesting or telling or denouncing the result is crooked. But I do think that the election was suspect, but it wasn't, 
it was done according to Molly Ball's essay. I keep quoting that February 2022 essay. It was it was changing the voting laws in eight or nine states. So it was 70% mail-in balloting with no authentication. And the the error rate or the fail rate of ballots just, just dropped by a magnitude of 10. That was the difference. They knew that. They had planned that for months under the guise or the subtext of COVID. So that, I plead innocent on that, too. I'm special pleading where nobody can object. But <laughs> I... Uh, I I, anyway, it's, and I, I'm going to end on a positive note. Think about all these things we talk about there. If you had any of the Republicans that are running the top three, any of them, we, we wouldn't even have to be, I mean, it would be reversed. They could stop the border tomorrow. They will if they get elected. I'm I'm convinced of that. Yes, they will I think finish so too. The will. They'll deport a lot of people. They'll cre- recreate deterrence, and you'll have no illegal immigration to speak of. And I think they'll start drilling and building pipelines and get us back to affordable energy. And I think the trans movement that sterilizes, uh, I guess, that's a neuters people and says parents don't have a say, and all that'll it'll start to. Just be what it was before, that it was an odd, gender dysmorphic, very rare occurrence. But people should be treated with dignity that actually suffer rather than hysteria about, you know, men competing in women's sports. I think all that, what I'm saying is that broad, it's all correctable. We can balance the budget. We can get to it. We can reduce the debt very easily. We can build a huge military and so that China doesn't get any false ideas that we're weak and try something stupid. We can do all of that. We can do it in four years if we just, it requires everybody, it requires a good leader to unite people, but also ask something of us that we have to say, if you your candidate does not win the Republican nomination, please vote for the alternative candidate that you didn't vote for in the general election. As bad as you think that candidate is, he's much better. She's much better than the alternative. Yes. That's very important sure. to you. It is very important. Behind a common candidate that is more conservative than Joe Biden. Yeah. And if you're going to make the abortion issue, and I'm against abortion, but if you're going to make that an issue, then for all means, you've got to match dollar for dollar campaign ad for campaign. So if they're going to run, I don't know, a 12-year-old girl who says she was raped by her father because Judge Roberts or somebody, Alioto passed this or Ron DeSantis is for it or whatever it is, then you have to run, you have to go do, you have to run an ad about a partial birth abortion and say 10,000 of them are being performed. And there are babies who feel real pain who are being killed. That's what you want to, if you want to do that, I'm not suggesting you do it, make that your central issue, but do not say you're going to run on banning all abortions and then be outspent 10 to one. And not yeah. go not go nuclear when they try to defame you and caricature into your you're for rape and incest, and then not talk about their the fact that they're okay with actual partial birth abortions or in, really infants being killed in some cases, then don't don't bring it up unless you're going to go nuclear. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Well, with that, Victor, we'll say 
goodbye to America for this episode of the Victor Davis Hanson Show. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Much appreciated. This is Sammy Wink and Victor Davis Hanson, and we're signing off. If you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay-up letters, millions. Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why does the IRS target you and not millionaires? Here's the reason, because millionaires have tax lawyers and you don't. You'll pay up plus interest plus penalties. You need Tax Network USA and you need it now. Tax Network USA has brilliant war room strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor, like a preferred direct line to the IRS. They know which agents to deal with and which ones to avoid. It's not all bad news for you because Tax Network USA learned of a special limited time IRS offer. They're willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. Schedule your free confidential consultation to see if you qualify for this limited time IRS penalty canceling offer. Call one 800 245 6000 again call 1-800-245-6000 or visit tnusa.com slash victor